Hello and welcome to the Transfer News Central podcast, episode one. This is going to be a weekly podcast where we discuss all the biggest transfer topics that are in the world of football this week. So I'm uh, Declan Flannery and this week I'm joined by uh, Johnny Bentley. Hello. Nice to meet you, Johnny. Nice to meet you too. And James, who's formerly of the Chelsea Echo podcast. Love to um, hear from you, James. Yeah, good to be here. Good to be part of this team. Amazing. How are you guys? Uh, well, I was really good and then I got this call about this podcast and it's just... Uh... <laughs> terrible. terrible amazing amazing right um let's get into it shall we and i think we've got probably our biggest topic to start with and that's um the whole debacle of uh, Maurizio sarri going to juventus and is lampard going to come to chelsea and the transfer ban etc so um i feel like james do you want to get started on this i feel like you've got the most to say yeah you've yeah, got a lot to say i'll just outline the situation for people who don't know like uh chelsea got a transfer ban from um, I think it was UEFA for breach of breach of some rules regarding uh, recruitment of under seventeen players. Uh, two windows transfer windows. Um, Chelsea have I think they've appealed the ban, but they haven't asked for it to be frozen. So Chelsea will be serving the transfer ban this summer and in January. So they won't be able to buy any players, uh, and that's the situation uh, with the transfer ban, uh, which means that fortunately Chelsea have a huge loan army and uh, one of the best academies in Europe. So. Uh, I think actually there's people at Chelsea who think this is a good thing because they want to use the academy, they want to use the lone players, people like Kurt Zuma, for example, um, who had a great season at Everton and he's, I think he's a top-class defender. People like him are going to come back and also people like Mason Mount and uh, Rhys James, who had a sensational season at Wigan, Tammy Abraham, who had a great season at, at Aston Villa. Uh, people like that are going to come into the squad and be used. Um, and one of the reasons that Mauricio Sarri wanted to leave, one of many reasons, was because he didn't show to take the transfer ban. He wanted them to buy players this summer and to build a strong team to compete next season, which is not part of Chelsea's long-term strategy. So that's one of the reasons he asked to go. And he's obviously, we know now he's going to Juventus. Just a matter of time before that's announced. And that is also the transfer ban is also one of the reasons they want Frank Lampard as manager, because Frank Lampard obviously knows the club inside out. Um, at Derby, he's got a record already of developing and bringing in academy players and young players. He's We've seen how Mason Mount and uh, Timori, for example, who are Chelsea loan players, have improved uh, at Derby this season. Um, and obviously Jody Morris, who's his assistant, who will come with him, um, was academy manager for two years and is a big advocate of Chelsea using academy players. So I think that's the reasoning. I think the other reason for Frank Lampard is because I've never seen a manager divide the Chelsea fan base as much as... Mauricio Sarri did. I don't think even Rafa Benitez divided the fans as much as, as Sarri because I think most Chelsea fans didn't <laughs> like Benitez. There wasn't any division on Benitez. But, <laughs> Definitely. Um, Definitely. Um, I think Sarri was... Some people who loved him and I, I defended him until about February time. Um, but then I kind of changed my perspective when a few things... Results and him not using the youth properly and other things, team selections, that kind of... I just changed my mind, basically. Um, I wanted him out and now he's going. So, yeah, that's the situation. It looks like Lampard is going to be taking over from reliable sources that I have. And I hate saying that word because it sounds like, you know, like you're making it up and whatever. But I'm pretty confident from what I've heard that he is going to be coming in with Jody Morris. Peter Cech is coming in as director of football as well. Which to me again like shows that Chelsea are looking at a long term strategy rather than the kind of constant short termist reactionary thing, you know, buying players every summer, then sacking a manager after a year or two. You know, I don't think they want to do that anymore. And I think um, this is all part of a long term strategy. 
And that that is the Chelsea way, isn't it, to um to get rid of a, a manager after a season. Yeah, it is, yeah. And I think everyone's sick of it and I'm sick of it. I think Chelsea have actually wanted to do this for a, about five or six years. I think they thought Mourinho when they came when he came back the second time. For some reason they thought he would be a long term manager. <laughs> Obviously that didn't work out. And then Conte they thought the same. And I remember Michael Emanalo saying that, but that didn't work out. And I think again, Sari was meant to be that guy as well. And then obviously that's not worked out. So I think, yeah, then this is they think the transfer ban is an opportunity to go to start from scratch in a way and kind of rebuild the team. Definitely. Um, over over kind of the next three, four, five years. Hopefully this will be the last change of manager Chelsea have for at least five years. And I'm optimistic about that. If it's Lampard, I think that's what he the kind of thing he wants to do anyway. Um, he likes a project that he wants that he can build. And yeah, so that's the situation at Chelsea. So Chelsea won't be buying anyone this summer, um, but we will be bringing in a lot of players who weren't in the squad last year. Like I said, Tammy Abraham, I think, Reese James, Mason Mount, Kurt Zuma. There probably could, could be another another few, maybe Bakayoko possibly. A couple of others could come back. Kulisic, obviously, is he's technically on loan, but he's a new signing, so he's going to come in too. Yeah. So all of those players will be in the squad who weren't in the squad this year. So um, that's kind of like our transfer market. <laughs> yeah, I did recently see that um, actually Didier Drogba sort of gave his vote of confidence for Lampard to come into that role. Um, and I'll be interested to see. I, I do really like Drogba. He's one of the best strikers the Premier League's had. But um, what do you think about it, Johnny? What do you make of the situation? Well, I, I was uh, some really nice uh, insight there from James on the whole thing, obviously being a Chelsea fan himself. For me, I think you were talking about actually long term, looking long term at project at Chelsea. And, you know, as Chelsea have been over the years, they've been very trigger happy, as you say, with the managers, um, you know, not really leading to anything. As we say, long term, it's been stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. Now, I think when you're appointed someone like Maurizio Sarri, I think there's an obvious comparison with Pep Guardiola in the kind of football that they want to play in terms of always playing out from the back. Uh, having uh, playing a lovely brand of football and winning games in that way as opposed to in other ways where with lots of possessions as opposed to other ways like Chelsea have been in the past where they sometimes you know sit deeper and counter-attack that was particularly uh, prominent with Antonio Conte happened quite a bit with Mourinho as well in, in patches when he was in charge and with Maurizio Sarri it was a bit of a culture shock a bit of a, a bit of a change that you know he's got I mean let's remember he came in only a few weeks before the season started, you know, he didn't really get a proper pre-season, a first proper pre-season to get the squad accustomed to his ideas. They had to get accustomed by playing Premier League games as opposed to, you know, lots of friendlies at the start of the season. Does that make it more impressive of how he did this season? I think he did remarkably well. I mean, you know, he finished third in what was, you know, two teams who I think most people would have said at the start of the season, they're going to be the two that's challenging for the title, and they did. They finished the best of the rest in third position. They got to the Carabao Cup final, and I thought they were really, really unlucky. I mean, they lost on penalties to the best team in England, um, you know, and I thought they put in a really decent performance that day. And then they go into the Europa League final and absolutely demolish Arsenal. So when you look at it like that, I really do think he's had a particularly good season. Now, people are going to say, you know, there were criticisms. When Guardiola first took over at Man City, that first season he finished fourth with no trophies. And, you know, that season was a bit hit and miss as well. They went to Goodison Park, they lost 4-0. Um, they went out in the Champions League to Monaco in the second leg, having a 5-3 lead. Everyone expected them to progress. I know that was a Monaco team that were doing really well that season, but you know that was a you know a, a very decent Man City team. They went out to Monaco, as I say, in the Champions League. That was seen as a disappointment. Um, so by the end of that season, you're thinking, you know, this is Guardiola, one, one of the so-called best managers in the world. He's finished fourth. He's got no trophies. But never once did you think, oh, that's not good enough. You're thinking, well, this is long. Is it, you know, you get Guardiola in. 
and it's a project, it's not going to be maybe instant success like other managers because he's trying to implement a style, a philosophy, and a style which in England hasn't been that prominent. We didn't necessarily have this eye-catching football that we do now. And now you see a lot of, I mean, Gareth Southgate, you know, is trying to implement a similar style with England about passing it out from the back, trying to control the possession of the game. Second season, you know, spends a lot of money in the summer, has, has had that time to implement some of his ideas so he could decide whether you know, players X, Y, and Z can make it and carry on next season or whether they are on, on for the chopping block. He had a big transition. He got rid of players. He brought players in. And then they get 100 points in the league next season, you know. Um, so what I think with Sarri is there were two factors that he needed to succeed, and that's time and money. Um, time to implement his ideas, time to implement his style. And it's not just something that comes there. And then as we saw, there were, there were moments where people would say, I'm sure, oh, you know, they're not creating enough chances. They're not opening teams up quick enough. The ball's being moved too slowly. The same criticisms were made with Man City in that first season when the players weren't opening up teams. I remember going on a game, because I'm a Burnley fan, and it was Man City-Burnley, and City won 2-1. You know, there were people saying, oh, this is quite slow, you know, this isn't zippy, passy football that's taking apart this Burnley team that's, that's defending teams. You know, this isn't good enough. You know, you have to have that understanding that that doesn't just come over a few weeks. That takes a long time to implement. And some of the players weren't able to do that. Look at Chelsea's team. You know, I'm sure if Sarri, uh, James, you were mentioning that Sarri would have liked to, to have brought transfer, brought players in to strengthen his squad, strengthen his team. Um, to get to that top level of football, top round of football, he needs specialists in positions. He needs fullbacks that are going to bomb on and stretch teams. He needs midfielders and defenders that can that are comfortable on the ball. He needs a striker that certainly, you know, can do a little bit better than Gonzalo Higuain, who was there. You know, who didn't do, I know he's a fan, of course, of Higuain, but... Um, he wanted to keep him, yeah. Yeah, I know. He's certainly a fan of Higuain, but at the same time, it was, I'm sure if he had, you know, I think he was, they were linked with Jovic, weren't they? I think that he even mentioned, uh, Sarri, that he did like Jovic before he went to Real Madrid. I mean, that's the kind of calibre he wanted to get in on board. But I think the big thing as to why I think Lampard probably should be taking the reins next season as opposed to Sarri, and this is a big thing, I think Sarri and Guardiola are managers like this. They are managers who want the players to adapt to them. They have one style, one idea of how to play. And if they can't adapt to them, then the players will go out and they will bring players in that can adapt to them. I mean, you see Sanya Zabaleta couldn't adapt, so they brought Kyle Walker in and Benjamin Mendy and Zinchenko on that left-back position. Bernardo Silva came in to add a bit more depth to those attacking options, you know. So they will bring players in to adapt to that style. Whereas someone like Lampard, without that definitive history of we play this way, my way, and, you know, without that rigidity almost, you get the sense that he might be adapting He'll adapt to what he has. You know, he still wants that brand of football, what's nice to watch, playing out from the back, progressive football. But, you know, Derby have a, a defender called Richard Keogh, and I'm not singling him out as a bad defender, but he's not a, de- he's not a person you'd necessarily say was uh, a ball-playing kind of defender. You know, he's not someone you necessarily is going to come out with a ball. It's not his strength. But he played the majority of the games last season, and what they did to, to sort of accommodate that Derby is they had they played quite compactly. So some of the players that weren't quite as comfortable on the ball had options closer to them. And if they made a mistake when they passed that ball, then uh, the team would be in a better shape to um, nullify that, the attack of the opponent if, uh, to stop them uh, getting on top as a result of a passing mistake. So I think Lampard will look at Chelsea and will, as I say, adapt to what he has as opposed to what Sarri was. Some would say being stubborn is being rigid, but, you know, he's just seeking the best football, the only football that he knows, which is a really exciting brand of football. You know, if anyone who watched Napoli will tell you, you know, it's unrivaled, really. When that football is on top form, when he's got the players that he wants in that team, then it's really, really good to see. And I just don't think he quite had that at Chelsea. 
Yeah, I, I think the um, the biggest thing is that I feel like as soon as he came into Chelsea, the Chelsea fans weren't sure. I feel like that's symptomatic a little bit of the owner, though. Yeah. Because the owner's been so happy to... Um, even I, I always think, I don't know about you, James, but when Carlo Ancelotti left, I thought... Yes. That was cutthroat. I thought that was a really harsh stacking. I think, to be honest, for me, Carlo Ancelotti is the departure from Chelsea that I regret the most. I think Roman Abramovich probably regrets it as well because I think, mm-hmm. I mean, if, uh, Carlo Ancelotti before Chelsea, he'd been at Milan eight years. I think he could have done a, a long-term job at Chelsea. And I think, yeah, I think because we remember that Roman Abramovich was obsessed with getting Pep Guardiola. And I think if, I think the chance to do that was 2013. Yeah, if we had kept Carlo Ancelotti and not sacked him and kept for another couple of years, it would have looked much more stable. Because the reason that Pep Guardiola didn't come to Chelsea was because the job was so unstable. Well, don't you think there's a bit of a comparison there with Sarri? Could you imagine if Guardiola had come into that squad last season? Do you honestly think he'd have done any better than Sarri did? No, no. I don't think he would have done much better. No, I don't think. I think. I think. I actually, I remember an article that in twenty, I can't remember twenty fourteen or something like that. He said that he said that he needed Chelsea needed ten players. Yeah. To play his way. the way that yeah. he wanted to play, yeah. and. I think that last season has proved has proved that right. You know, but the difference with Pep Guardiola is, for me, Pep Guardiola has adapted his philosophy to English football. He's kept to his philosophy, but he's adapted it in terms of formation, in terms of tactics. He does generally play a four three three, though, doesn't he? And he does generally play with similar personnel, and he has a bigger depth available to him, doesn't he? Yes, that's right. And but I think Sari kept to the same formation no matter what. Mm. Uh, he never adapted to match situations. He it was always like for like substitutions, you know, and it just got so frustrating because it'd be like this substitution's not going to change anything because it's the tactics are exactly the same and everyone knows how to play the tactics, you know. I suppose Sarri would argue though, if he was playing that style to the maximum, to its optimum, then he wouldn't need to change formation because if they were doing his tactics yes. to the max, they would be, you know, they yes. they should be on top of the game. I guess that's his argument. Yeah, the biggest thing you have to take from it is that. Sarri is a good manager and he did do a good job, but he's going. Do you know what I mean? Like he's going to Juventus now and, and it seems like Lampard is gonna come in. So how how is it gonna be different with Lampard? Obviously with the transfer ban, there's all this large range of players that you can pick from, like Tammy Abraham, but are they actually gonna be part of the Chelsea team next year? Do you, do you see that happening? For me, I think it's not about I think there's some people who think that he's gonna suddenly play about ten youth players, which is not gonna happen. Lampard um, knows what Chelsea are about, knows the expectations, knows um, the demands as well. But the difference with Frank Lampard, I think, is that if he sees a talent that he thinks is good enough, he will pick them. I saw a quote by, I think it was a Derby player, I can't remember his name, it might have been Richard Keogh. Oh, no, no, it was the, Derby head, the, the head of the Derby Academy. And he said that Lampard, since he's come in, has changed everything because it's now a meritocracy. So players will get opportunity based on merit, not based on a reputation or salary or status at the club. They will, if you are good enough and you've got the right attitude, um, you will get an opportunity. It doesn't matter how old you are. And there are players that, if those of us who've watched the Chelsea Academy, they've won everything for the last five or six years. They've got a great mentality. They really bring up these players well. Um, they develop their character, not just their football. They educate them well, you know. And there's people like Callum Hudson Odoi, Reese James is going to be a breakout star next year. Absolutely, I've got no doubt about it. I think he's a better right back. He's got more potential than Alexander Arnold or or, or Wan Bissaka. He's, he's a better. I think he's a better player than either of them. 
and he's big shout. Yeah, right, that is a big shout, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm not afraid to say it. And the thing is, he went to Wigan, right? And lone players they have an impact. They come back. Reese James, I saw Wigan fans have voted in the best player in the club's history. Yeah, he got Player of the Year. He got Player of the Month every month. He got Man of the Match almost every week. He played in midfield. He played right back. He played centre back. I think he's just this complete player. And of all the academy players, he's the most ready. In fact, he got the Academy Player of the Year last year, not Hudson Odoi. He finished above Hudson Odoi in the Young Player of the Year awards at Chelsea. At the same time, though, I guess you know Trent Alexander-Arnold, who you did make the comparison to. Well, I'm not saying that. Yeah, obviously Trent Alexander-Arnold's had an opportunity, and he's a great player. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but no, no, no. But this is we're talking about potential. With like, <laughs> um, this is the yeah, yeah, yeah. guy that most Chelsea fans want to see break through this year of any academy player. This isn't the first time I've seen a Chelsea youngster do well on one of these on their part of their loan army. But like, what normally happens is someone comes back and they either yeah. go back out on loan again, or they're sold, or that, and that's their Chelsea career over because they've bought someone in for forty million. And I guess with the transfer ban, yeah, you will hope to see stuff like this come through and players come back and and given a chance. I can't see it because it's Chelsea. Do you know what I mean? I think that's the issue I have, but I do get your point. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the starting eleven, I think the ones that have a chance of getting into the starting eleven regularly would be there's only I think there's only two or three. You know, I mean, we have still got Pulisic is a, almost an established player. He'll come in. Kante will still be there. You know, uh, Barkley. Do you think just as a question, James? Do you think it'll be Jorginho and Kante in a four-two-three-one, so a double pivot instead of? Not sure. I'm actually not sure I, because Lampard's played. I checked some of the stats. Lampard played 28 games last season with a four-three-three, but a different kind of four-three-three. So you'd say I, I wouldn't be surprised because Lampard is a huge admirer of Mason Mount. I think he is. He sees himself in him. Basically, I've got a feeling he might, with Loftus Cheek being injured. Because if Lottetick was fit, he would be an automatic first choice, without a doubt now. But I think Mason Mount will get a run. I'm not sure what's going to happen to Jorginho. He may play, he may use him. He may use him in a 4-2-3-1 because he's played that formation too. Mm. Um, so It'll be interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And I think Ross Barkley will probably benefit from yeah. Lampard as well because obviously the same types of player and Lampard rates Barkley. So I think that will help him, help him too. So I think it's just that they'll get opportunities with Lampard and... They feel like they've got a chance of getting to the first team with him rather than having to wait for established players to get injured or something. You know, um, I think the difference is they'll get a, they'll feel like they've got an opportunity. And what I read, Matt Law, who's quite well sourced at Chelsea, yeah, he wrote that the Chelsea youth players have all been texting each other, getting excited about Lampard coming back because they feel like they've got a, they'll have a chance with him, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think that's there, there will be a change, but it will be evolution it won't be like we're going to drop every experienced player and no, pick about 10 youngsters it won't that's not going to happen just as a few stats from derby last season as well so the uh, average 455 passes per match this was taken before the playoff final so that's you know a lot the 69 goals scored across the season which was the fifth most in the championship but one interesting fact is if the championship was based on expected goals of course it isn't uh, but if it was uh, then derby would have finished in 12th place so it suggests that they were very efficient with what they had and maybe got... Wow. I hate to say luck because you generate your own luck in football, but I guess it's maybe, just to throw this to you, James, maybe symptomatic of almost like when Sarri played uh, a passing, a possession-based philosophy. Sometimes it's not as easy as it to create those chances at opening. No, and there's some interesting stats about Chelsea as well, which I found out, that Chelsea only scored one more goal in the league than last year. They actually had less shots 
than they had and this is under Antonio Conte who played kind of much more defensive football we had less shots this season than we had under Antonio Conte Um, and yeah we only scored one more goal and (laughs) we only got two more points in the league as well I've got to say like uh, you know it's not like the although we finished about two places higher it's you know those those stats are really interesting there wasn't too much change in terms of attacking it was meant to be brought it was kind of sold as this beautiful like we're going to suddenly become man city yeah and i think if we had 250 million 300 million to spend this summer um and didn't have our academy yeah um then then he probably could have done something similar to what pep's done at city but that i agree but i also think there's a there's a human element because i saw an interview with uh sorry did with it with vanity fair where he talked about how much he missed his family in italy and he missed his parents um you know, and I think that came into it as well. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, if if the fans were shouting, yeah, I think I think that's true. If the yeah. fans were shouting "F Saribol," I think I'd miss my family. You know, I mean, it's not the not, not the nicest honest, thing to hear yeah. from the crowd. Yeah, and, you've you know, a bigger I, job you... right now and a better job than Chelsea right now, and I don't blame them for going. Mm-hmm. How do you, I'll, I'll maybe throw a deck into this one because you've been a bit quiet? Yes. So I feel bad. <laughs> um, how do you see Sarri doing at Juventus? You know, this is a this is a very different sort of team. Uh, it's, isn't it? Going it's to such, it, a, it's such a, a good team at Juventus already, and it feels like that they're, they're only going to improve with our Ramsey, etc. I feel like that again. It's one of those leagues where what they won the league eight years in a row now. Something silly. Like I feel like that's going to continue, especially with proper manager like Sarri. I do hope they do well, and I think what I'd really like to see from Italian football is both Milan teams have a real resurgence again. I feel like they're getting closer to that, and I feel like better players and better managers going to Italy is only going to help that um, and sort of try and build that back up. But I guess what going back to Chelsea is, I, I do want to see Lampard do well if he does end up as Chelsea manager for next season, and. Um, and see what see what he can do and really use those youth players. But I guess the other big news that we've had is Chelsea actually selling their best player of the what would we say the last three or four or five years into uh, to Real Madrid. And um, and basically, what is Eden Hazard going to bring to Real Madrid that that we haven't seen from the Glasgow's over the last decade? I know they I know they really struggled last year, and this this summer is seen as a rebuild, and we've seen them buy countless players already and spend over three hundred million euros. So so far, we've had Eden Hazard come in, Ferland Mendy, Rodrigo, Luka Jovic, Eden Militao, and now uh, yesterday they've they've signed uh, the the young Japanese star Takafusa Kubo from Tokyo FC or FC Tokyo, and uh, I guess what what can we expect to see from Real Madrid next season? Are they going to come in and storm the league and storm the Champions League? What do you guys expect? I uh... Well, I... <laughs> God, go on. Go on. I, 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 we were both waiting for each other. Yeah, go on, go on, James. Off you go. I'm excited about Real Madrid next year, I have to say. And I'm happy for Eden Hazard to get his move because he wanted to play for them since he was a kid and... You know, you can't blame someone for wanting to play for Real Madrid as far as I'm concerned. You know, biggest club in the world. And to be honest, when he first joined Chelsea in uh, 2013, I said to friends, he'll leave us for Real Madrid in about five or six years' time. You wait and see. Um, and that's what's happened. You should have put money on that. I should that's have. A, yeah, good, I should have done that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, so but I think they're basically playing football manager this summer. You know, they've brought all the best players. I mean, Jovic, everyone wanted Jovic. He's gone to Real Madrid. They've got, and he's going to be a world-class striker, I think. Got huge potential. Obviously, Hazard's at his prime right now, and he's only going to get better, I think, the next couple of years. He's going to be, and in the Spanish league as well, which is much more friendly for attacking players than the English league, 
Yeah. Um, I think he's yeah. going to get more goals. I think he'll get. I think he'll get just. He'll get more assists as well. I mean, he got. I think it, I can't remember how many goal contributions it was last season. A lot, wasn't it? Double for both. Double figures for both, wasn't it? I think it, it was. It was something about forty or something like that. Wow, that's, he got, that's like, a he lot. Got Twenty-one goals and about twenty odd assists or something. He, you know, he, he just. It's just insane stats that he gets, and he's going to be playing around with Real Madrid with better players and in a league that's more suitable for attacking players. So I think Madrid, I mean, like it's clear what Zidane wants to do. He wants to win the Champions League again. Yeah. I'm pretty confident they will make a serious challenge in the Champions League and they'll probably win the, the, the Spanish League as well. I guess what we have seen there is like, I know they've brought in Eden Hazard, who is that big marquee signing that we used to seeing with Real Madrid, but those other players that they've signed are young and they're definitely building blocks for them. So you're seeing a replacement with Ferland Mendy. That's a replacement for Marcelo right there. Luka Jovic for Karim Benzema, Edin Militao for Ramos. Do you know what I mean? They're definitely building blocks there that they definitely want to take forward. Do you feel like that's what um, Zidane's idea is there, um, Johnny? Do you feel like he wants he wants to to build Real Madrid as the best team again for the next decade? Well, obviously, I think, you know, it's... Um, I think that the thing with Real Madrid, was many of the players you talk about were signed, as you say, quite a long time ago now and probably going through the same process then. You just... Benzema's been there for 10 years. Ramos, it's the same. They've all been there. They've all had their success. And it's almost, it's almost like the life cycle is at an end. So it's important for them, as you say, to get in those, to get in Jovic, to get in Edai Militao and to get these players in to replace the old guard in, in many ways. Um, and I think we saw actually, we saw actually last season that there is a, there's a need for an injection of youth because quite frankly, it wasn't good enough for a club of Real Madrid standards. Um, and when you look at Eden Hazard as well, I think obviously he has the ability, as we've as we've already said, a blind man could see it. But the um, the thing that that does stand him out as well, I think, is and I don't mean this in a bad way, but the arrogance that he has. It's a good arrogance, you know. He so he has so much confidence in his own ability, you know. At times with Chelsea, it looked like he had the whole game in his hands and he'd just slow down the pace of it and he'd do some tricks and he, and he has that sort of you know I am the superstar and a very humble superstar, might I add. He seems like a very nice yeah. guy, but he he knows it, you just get that idea with him that it's more than just the ability, it's more than just the goals and the assists. Because one criticism actually while he was in England was oh he doesn't get enough goals or he doesn't get enough assists, but he was so much more than that. Um, and I think what Real Madrid is, I think. He's, he's just tailor-made for Real Madrid. He's just got that swagger, that personality that you think, yeah, that that's a Real Madrid player. And you just can't, I can't see him doing too badly. One thing that does keep you on your toes, of course, when you are at Real Madrid is that, I mean, the fans are, well, they're very, very... Um, they have very high standards, yeah. We'll go with very, very high standards. I remember when Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, one of their, I think it's fair to say, one of the best players they've ever had. You know, I know they've had some amazing players, but he's, he's been incredible for them, you know, in, in what he's contributed. I remember he went a few weeks without scoring a goal and they were booing him. They were booing him because he hadn't scored in a mm. few weeks. So, it take, as I say, when I'm talking about the arrogance and self-confidence that Eden Hazard might possess, it's so important because if you don't have that, all it takes is a six out of ten performances and the fans are on your back and it can be very difficult you know this is kind of it's almost like a gladiatorial arena you know the the, the, fa- the fans are all there watching on as as the people try to impress and they, they, they are just so brutal it's a very very unique sort of environment but you know it's, it's one where the best players just thrive I think isn't it yeah, and we've seen like um, with Real Madrid that even though they've spent over 300 million euros, they're continuing to be linked with Paul Pogba from Manchester United. Who that that's I feel like we can't go transfer window without Paul Pogba maybe going somewhere. Um, and um, they're obviously mm. still linked to Christian Eriksen from Real Madrid. And obviously the rumours on that have cooled a little bit. But I can't see them spending any more money because I feel like financial fair play is going to come uh, come down on them hard if they don't. And because of that, they're obviously 
They've worked early in the transfer window. They've brought their players in. Now, who can you see well, sort of leaving Real Madrid on, this summer? We're talking about this before we went on, but because Real Madrid give their players such ridiculously high contracts, um, you know, in terms of in terms of how much they earn, it's very difficult for a mm. team to say, "Oh, I'll take him or him," because that player's going to he's going to want a similar level of, level of wage. Um, you know, the Gareth Bale situation it's it's crazy, really, isn't it? Um, I, I'm. I think it's difficult because I, Bale's not really selling himself at the moment because I think there were quotes. I don't know if these were actually true, but you know he hasn't come out and necessarily said anything to say they wouldn't be. That he would happily just play golf and see out the remainder of his Real Madrid contract. And I mean that doesn't strike. You know, if I'm a, if I'm another club, yeah. You know, if I'm another club, I'm I'm looking at the Bale situation now and thinking he's on astronomical wages. Yes, he was a brilliant player not a few seasons ago. He was he was he was amazing, but. He just doesn't seem to have the attitude or desire. It seems to be more like at this moment in time, I'm happy to um, to sort of win this war of with Real Madrid and sit there and, and, and win this battle, as opposed to thinking I want to be playing football for the next few years of my career. I, I don't know what you guys think about that in terms of Gareth Bale in particular. Yeah, I, I, Gareth I thought Bale, this too. I, to me, but... he's always struck me as a guy that's got a really professional attitude and wants to play. And I don't, I don't think those stories are true that he wants to. Uh, that he wants to, that he wants to just play golf or whatever. I, I just think he wants to fight for his place at Madrid and feels like he should be playing on merit. And Zidane just, Zidane just doesn't like him. I, yeah. I don't know what Zidane, Zidane's problem with him is, to be honest, because he, when he plays, he tends to deliver. I mean, like the Champions League final last year. I mean, that's only a year ago, and he was man of the match, and he was. It's ridiculous, really. I mean, I think any club could benefit from having Gareth Bale in their team. But one thing I would say, well, two things really. Well, the injuries haven't helped, have they? I mean, the injuries have curtailed. He's, you know, he, can't, he hasn't really been able to build too much momentum. And when he has, it's it, it's unfortunately uh, been struck down quite quickly with, with, with an injury. And he's been very unlucky with that. But I think I get the sense if you go to a big club like Madrid, you want to try and embrace yourself in Spanish culture, in, in the ethos of the club. And I don't think he's really ever done that, has he? He's always been quite quiet or reserved. I know Courtois said, you know, he doesn't make the effort to come to team meetings and things like this. So I don't know. It, I, it's a hard one, isn't it? But I can see both points. You know, it's very difficult to to sort of because if you've got the dressing room on side, you know that I, I genuinely believe that gives Zidane a bit more thing, something to think about. If the dressing room feel that Gareth Gareth Bale, you know, if, if he's a well liked kind of guy, a personality, you know, he's delivering on the pitch, then Zidane's got to think. Hmm, actually, you know what? Uh, maybe he does come into my thoughts a little bit more. But you know, because he doesn't maybe have the dressing room on side, because he's not making that effort and he's not quite as well liked and he's not making that same effort that, that some of the other players are. Maybe that just makes it easier for the manager, and and, and this is why he's in the situation he's in. Yeah, and I think I mean, in terms of selling Madrid selling players, I think there are players they want to get rid of. Yeah, Isco keeps getting linked with moves away, and Hamas uh, Rodriguez. Yeah, those two will probably get. You could probably get like a hundred, hundred million, you know, in combined for both of those. You know, yeah, um, and you've got the well, you've got the hundred million from Ronaldo last year. You know, so you've got two hundred million there. You know, it's just um, about getting the wage off, isn't it? It's just about yeah, negotiating exactly. it. That's yeah. the big issue, I think, at the moment. A bit like at United with Alexis exactly. Sanchez, I guess. Yeah. It's the danger of getting someone and, and give, bowing down to the demands and thinking, oh, we got him for you know, we got him for a really low fee or or, or or whatever that was, and then giving him absolutely ridiculous wages. And then once you've made that mistake, if they don't perform, then good luck trying to get rid because you know it's it, it's very challenging. Yeah, and I think um, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting season for Zidane at Real Madrid. And I, I, I 
you want to see them do well again. Like they've dominated so much recently, and it, it does feel like it will be a real fresh looking squad. And I, I am excited to see how that plays with sort of Hazard as that centerpiece. Like it was like when Ronaldo came into that sort of old um, that that older squad that that he came into, and then they they bought the young pieces, and he was the centerpiece of that team. So it'd be interesting to see where they go. But I guess I, I wanted to move on to and go across Spain now to Barcelona and um, the whole uh, Matthias de Ligt saga that we're that we're dealing with at the moment. Um, because obviously they were the original, the favourites, um, uh, and then Manchester United have been linked heavily in England, and now PSG are heavily linked. It, it, it's a, a really interesting one, and you have to remember he's still 19. I, I remember when he uh, Manchester United played Ajax in the Europa League final when he was in that team. Nobody knew who he was, and he had an amazing mm. game there, and he's just gone uh, leaps and bounds ahead there, and leading Ajax to the, the Champions League final, I don't think anybody would have expected that this season. And um, he does look like he's going to be one of the top centre backs for the next seven or eight, ten years. Do you, do you know what I mean? So where, where do you, where do you? First of all, where do you guys think would be best for him to go? I think, but I think Barcelona. I think. I, I agree. I think you know the, the, the style of football they play, um, very similar to. It's kind of built on the Ajax philosophy. Think about Johan Cruyff. You know he went. He was manager of Ajax and he was manager of Barcelona. Obviously, he's already got. They're, they're rebuilding their team yeah. as well. Which makes sense. They need a, and I mean, come on, Delict. Like he's like he's the kind of player you buy even if you've got players yeah. in those positions, because he's he's going to be world class. He already is world class, but not only that, he's a leader of men. Yeah, I mean, he's he's Ajax captain at eighteen. Yeah. He was, I think. He's the close in terms of leadership. He stands out in world football um, for players of his age, and he reminds me of. I mean, I hate that the Chelsea fan. He reminds me of John Terry in terms of leadership. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, any side who wants a leader in their team and who wants to dominate for the next 10 years, you want to get a character like that in your team, even if you've already got a player in that position, because the leadership is, you can't buy that. I mean, there's hardly any players who have that kind of leadership ability, as well as the footballing ability. And I think whoever gets him, it's going to be really, I think, really, really lucky. I mean, I think if he goes to PSG, I still think he'll end up ultimately end up at Barcelona. If you think how young he is, yeah. And I think he probably wants to go to Barcelona. I think his agent, Rayola. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I heard a story about how he was Lukaku's agent, and I heard Lukaku tell a story of how he told Lukaku Chelsea were not interested and to go to Man United, and then he found out later that he hadn't even met with Chelsea. That you know, Chelsea had wanted him, but. He just refused to meet them because he wanted he wanted to push his player to Manchester United, and that's why he dumped him as his agent. Um, and so I hope he gets rid of that guy as his agent, really, because I think in normal circumstances he would be a shoe in to go to Barcelona this summer. But I think Real might be pushing him elsewhere just because he gets a bigger payout, which is not good for him. Yeah, as a player. I mean, I'm not saying PSG is a it's bad move. Great, because great a for his player. bank account. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, though, to to be fair, that if he did go to PSG, and I know I agree with you, James, I think Barcelona would be a more a, a better move for him. But if he did go to PSG, you know, the opportunity to play with a Thiago Silva, I'm sure, is someone you know a, a very very prominent defender over the past few years. Also very uh, good 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 in terms of leadership. I think I think that, and obviously they've got a core of very high-end level players. I do think it wouldn't do him too much harm, but I do agree with you. I think the move to Barcelona does seem to fit better. Um, and just on the Raiola thing, I think I think that's what really it means that Man City haven't fully been in, in this race because to me, you know, company leaving, De Ligt, to me, just looking at it on the surface, was someone who would be perfect for Pat Guardiola City, you know, yeah. and, and they've just lost bits of company. Yeah, but I'm, I'm quite, I, I think, 
I think I'm right in saying that Guardiola is re- always reluctant to go to buy players who are associated with Mino Raiola because he can be quite, a, you know, a, it, well, I think it's like hopping into bed with the devil. It's like, you know, you, you sort of, it's not, it's not <laughs> a very good thing to be doing. And, uh, you know, I think, and you talk about the Lukaku incident as well, but, you know, uh, it's really, he is in, he's in it often for himself and it is quite sad to see a 19-year-old as, as talented as himself, uh, you know, in ties with someone like this. I mean, he's just one of football's ugly characters, isn't he? Who's trying to benefit financially by the success someone else yeah 100% I think the the biggest thing you have to take in it, take from it when you think about Barcelona is that they've already bought Frankie de Jong from Ajax who's Delict's supposed best friend um, and then um, and then you also see them constantly linked with Antoine Griezmann that's going to be over 100 million if they buy him and the Atletico Madrid president has already said that that's going to be a done deal I always get used to Barcelona spending money quite smartly um and they never seem to splash a lot of cash like that so that's what 100 100 million on Dembele oh that's true um but what um what what, what fills me with doubt is that I can't I can't see them buying all three of those players in the same window um so I feel like that increases his chances of going to somewhere like Paris but I remember I read recently when uh United fans were getting quite excited about him um maybe coming to United, which seemed like a very unrealistic um, chance now that you think about it. But they were saying uh, his parents had bought a bakery in Manchester, those sort of real Muppet rumours. <laughs> and I, I actually saw one yesterday from the Mirror where it was like uh, they were his mum and girlfriend were looking at flats in Paris when it turns out his girlfriend was in Miami with him. And it's like, come on. Like, So I, I think it's a really interesting saga, but I've, I've really got no idea where it's going to no. go. I do hope the most for him because I think he's a really, really exciting young player to think about. But, um, I think um, coming back to United again, I think I wanted to sort of get an understanding of what you guys thought about what can you not what can Ole Gunnar Solskjaer do next season at United with the, the transfer that he's already done in Daniel James and the transfers that they're rumoured to do with Wan-Bissaka, Bruno Fernandes etc, Adrian Rabiot, what, what can they do to get that Champions League next year and get United fans excited again? Well, to me, I think that, you know, with with Man United, I think it, it, it's a case of what they've done in the past is they seem to have got, gone for, uh, they seem to have brought players in. And, well, Sanchez being uh, the, probably the biggest flop of them all in terms of what I'm talking about here, in, in that they brought him in, given him a ridiculous wage. And then that sort of, I think, disrupted maybe what the real main aim is at Man United, which is to obviously uh, bring the club back to where it wants to be. Um, you, because, you know, when Sanchez is on something circa 500,000 a week, including add-ons or whatever, uh, and he's not playing half the time and he's injured or when he is playing, he's not doing very well, then that gives, that gives every player that comes into Man United with their agent a stick to beat the board with and say, well, you know, my player's doing really, really well. He wants to come into your club and you've got a player who's on nearly £500,000 a week. He's not doing anything. He's just sat on the, sat by the wayside and he's not contributing. So therefore, I want my player to have 100000 more than what you had on the table initially. And it's, and it's difficult because you, won't, you would never get that situation at Man City, for example, where their wage structure is so well, uh, so efficient in terms of, uh, you know, you've got players now, I think I was, look, I, I was looking recently, Laporte, uh, Emeric Laporte, who's one of the best centre-backs in the league, was on less than 100000 a week, you you know, uh, and he's playing every mm. single week, and he's an absolute colossus at the back for them. Well, I guess it's something uh, similar we saw we've seen with Van Dyke recently. Him rumored of signing a new contract. His wages actually it's still a lot of money, but it's for the 
what who is being tipped for the Ballon d'Or, tipped as one of the best centre-backs in the world, he's on nothing if you compare it to someone like Alexis Sanchez, who's not playing. I think it's so important that when you are giving these players the, the wage, such an astronomical wage, they've earned it. They've earned the right to get there. It was so ridiculous with Sanchez, who'd been had an iffy season with Arsenal at best. For you know, for in, in the season that he, that he joined in January, and then he's already going into United, having done nothing except play a piano, and then suddenly, <laughs> and it, and it's and it's bad as well because you've got a lot of you've got a lot of um, players like Rashford, Pogba, and Martial at United, and uh, they're all quite promising players, and they can look at that, and suddenly football's maybe not the main priority. They're looking at that, and their agents are thinking. Hmm. I was, you know, maybe we and De Gea as well. Maybe we can get another hundred thousand out of the club instead of thinking, you know what? I'm going to play. I'm going to work my way. I'm going to earn the contract. I'm going to keep going and giving my best. It suddenly becomes a case of that. That's the secondary almost because you know what this. You know what? Some people who are at the top aren't necessarily deserving it. Go back to what you said about Daniel James. I think this is what the kind of these are the kind of players that United need to be looking at now because they are not. You know, let let make no mistake. They are not the same club that they were. You know. Um, um, in the Sir Alex Ferguson years, when they were when they were challenging at the top, they need to realise that, and they need and the fans need to realise that they need to get players who are going to come in, take a modest wage. I think they need to really sort of look at that structuring and really try and lower that wage structure and get players focused on what the main task at hand is. And someone like Daniel James will, will come in from you know he's had a really good season in the Championship, looks like a really good player, did well against Man City actually in the FA Cup. Uh, so that's a good barometer of, of where he's at, I guess. And he's going to come in. Yeah. He's going to be he's going to be focused, determined, and he's going to be proud to put on the Man United shirt and I think United need to be signing players of that ill young players who are going to come in and be fo- and ready to kick on work hard and do, do the best for the club because you know what towards the end of last season we weren't seeing that we we're seeing players who were you know half assed I guess I think I think we're allowed to say that I, I kind of say something about Manchester United um I want to just to agree with Johnny I think that I mean that Sanchez signing really screwed up there because now and like Johnny said all these players now want want the same wages and I can say well this guy's got this wages I'm playing better than him so why shouldn't I get why shouldn't I get those wages what Johnny said is right they need to recognize where they are and start rebuilding with young the best young talent who is not not the big names not on the big money and start again that is actually more than I mean the Man United way is to build teams with young players who are hungry players who have huge potential and give them an opportunity to play and build a team that's actually what Man United is all about. Like what they've done in the last few years since Ferguson left, they've just tried to buy ready-made superstars almost most of the time. Like Paul Pogba, you know, is a great, is a big star. Sanchez, you know, those they've, they've tried to just buy success quickly instead of building success like they used to do. And maybe, I mean, I'm not necessarily a fan of Solskjaer as a manager, but he's definitely got the right idea in terms of the type of players they need to look at. And I think... And, and and what do you think of of Wan-Bissaka as a signing, James? Do you, do you feel like he'll be a positive? Is he part of that? Even though it's an astronomical fee, do you still think that's a positive step forward? I think it's an excellent signing. I think it really is. I, I really rate him. I think um, he's a huge talent. And <laughs> <laughs> if we didn't, if Chelsea didn't have Reese James, I would be wanting him for Chelsea. I mean, let's put it that way. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a huge talent and. I mean, the thing is, he got his opportunity at Palace because because they got injuries and because they wanted to, and, and because he was in the he was in he was no. from the academy and they just they gave him a chance. No one knew who he was a year ago, and now everyone wants him and they want to pay sixty million for him. 
I feel like he's a bit of a throwback as well, isn't he? Because you see Trent Alexander-Arnold bombing on and, and, and providing brilliant attacking returns. Not saying yeah. he's not good defensively, but Arrow, but Wan-Bissaka, it's more, it's it's about his defensive contributions, isn't it? The way he holds his position, uh, the I think he, he had a brilliant tackle success rate. At one point, it was ninety-four uh, percent. I'm sure that went down probably. That was crazy, but at one point in the season, it was ninety-four percent, which was better than anyone across Europe. He's, you know, his his defensive um, abilities are incredible. You know, especially as I say in this modern age, where the fullback tends to be just bombing on and, and providing crosses, gets caught out a bit at the back. I, so I'm with James. Yeah, I think this is a. You know, it'd be a really good signing. And it's also, I think, we talk about an astronomical fee. But again, I don't, Man City have done this a little bit. Maybe not astronomical in terms of uh, they've actually done quite well, you know, 60, 50, 40 million. I don't think they've gone past 60. Yeah. But as I say, getting those players in, paying a bit more in terms of a fee, but getting them on, a, on, on that modest wage, I think that's a better way of doing it. I really do. And uh, it would be a shame. Because, you know, you look at it and you think, oh, you know, there's a few players at United that maybe aren't too hungry at the moment and they've got lots of quality. Uh, I'm looking at maybe Pogba thinking, is, is he still got the hunger or desire to to, to to really drive this United team forward? And fans might not like the fact that the idea of them going or, or saying, oh, the club's going backwards. But sometimes you've, you've got to sort of look at it and think, you know what, we've messed up these past few seasons and, and we have to sort of rip it up a little bit and start from scratch, which is what I was alluding to before, what James sort of mentioned as well, in that you kind of have to you kind of have to know where you're actually at know 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 what you're trying to do think long term get players like James and get promising young players and keep the hungry players who want to be at United and then and then we'll go from there and add quality you know uh as 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 and when they can but but don't as as, as James said just try and get a b and c because uh, and throw all the money at it and, and, and just throw the throw the the plan out the window don't 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 change that plan for anyone stay focused uh you know be sensible and, and and you know give, give the man give Solskjaer time to to, to try and uh, get United back to to where they should be. Yeah, definitely. And I think if you put that fee that that magical number 50 60 million fee into perspective, United spent 53 million pounds on Fred last summer and um that hasn't really gone anywhere. This is I know I feel like he'll he'll be given an, another chance next season and hopefully he can spur on and be, become more of the the good the solid box to box midfielder he was at Shakhtar Donetsk but I guess it it makes that that fee for Wambasaka seem a lot more realistic because he's young and English and it is a we we as we saw with United Ashley Young great player and he's been a great servant for United transitioning from a winger to a fullback but he's not someone you can rely on to captain your side week in week out Champions League and Premier League so I feel like someone like Wampasaka that they know they need to improve that right back position and that's why it's worth that fee it's, it's funny though Ashley Young gets a lot of criticism and to be fair you know when you do watch him you do it can be quite frustrating at times but you got to remember you know he was a right winger who came exactly. right back or oh, left back actually wasn't it to begin with uh, to fill in for a job and actually as a squad player as a player who comes in for the cup games or or, or, or if if the first choice right back's injured you know you, you're looking at someone with a lot of experience um, with, with, with a with a I think he, 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 he certainly you couldn't fault his effort he definitely tried you know so you've got an experienced person who, who, who's willing to put in the legs. And I'm sure he wouldn't be too bothered as a, as a backup option. I think the main issue, as, you, as you've said, was really he's an ageing player now. Um, you know, And I think when you were seeing him playing every single game almost for 90 minutes, you, you're looking and you're thinking, oh, well... You know, he's he's looking a bit leggy now. He's looking a bit leggy. Can we play Diego Delo or someone like this? And, he, and he, but Solskjaer seemed to really trust in and Young, and and I think he, he became a scapegoat, didn't he? At, at, towards the end, well, 
for, for large parts of Solskjaer's reign, really when it wasn't going too well uh, uh, for United. Um, so I think, I think, I think, like we say, if they get a, a, another right back in, it's not young as a second choice. Would it be such a bad problem for them? No, 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 definitely not. And I feel like he he can fill that that sort of like substitute role as a right back or left back, or as you say, come in and be that experienced captain head for those important cup games that 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 you can sometimes get complacent about when you're playing lower league teams, etc. So um, it'd be um really interesting to see and. Again, I, I think just as a football fan, I do want to see the teams we've spoken about, Chelsea, United, etc., succeed again in the Premier League. Because myself, uh, like I said to James before we um, started recording this, I got so used to seeing United and Chelsea as the top teams in the Premier League. And obviously, people are probably quite happy to see that change with Tottenham and Liverpool getting to the Champions League final, City winning the league again, City and Liverpool really going in a whole different world of their own in terms of what they bring to English football. But it would be nice to really have that a sort of top four again, I guess, where you're not sure who's going to win the league. And I feel like we had that at the start of the season with Chelsea, City and Liverpool, but obviously those two front runners just got away from it. But um, it'll be it's going to be a really interesting season. And I think over this summer, it'll be really nice to to continue to talk about all the the transfer business that um, we're hoping to see. And I, I guess hopefully we see a few more big money deals and see as time passes and these teams become a little bit more complete and we can sort of then start to look forward to the new season beginning, which is already only uh, um, under two months away, which is it, going to fly by, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the, um, exploring what's going on in the transfer market. And I think, yeah. It's only just beginning. I mean, Matt, Matt uh, like Real Madrid may have done five transfers already, <laughs> but I think there's some yeah. more ones to come. I think, yeah, man, I think Manchester United, obviously Manchester City, um, Liverpool, they'll all be all the big ones will be active, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, amazing, and um, I feel like um, uh, thank you guys for 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 joining uh, me today. I feel like we've had a really good um discussion about the transfer news that's come out, and hopefully you guys at um home wherever you're listening, whether yeah you're listening on your phone or um at work or something, just to to catch up on the latest news as um you're used to seeing on Twitter and Facebook from Transfer News Central. Hopefully you can um get a bit more used to our our YouTube channel, etc., and this um this weekly or biweekly podcast that we're we're hoping to bring to you as much as we can, and um I guess it's just remember to check us out on our facebook um twitter and youtube and um and come back uh, next week to um to listen to me johnny and um and james again peace out people so i guess uh yeah thanks for listening guys yeah, for listening, have a good yeah. week bye bye, bye.